Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Show as I speak, it's Friday, April 29th, 2022. And here's the headline, relevant headline in today's newspaper, tell you what's going on in the world. And it'll be really relevant for the conversation to follow. April cruel for socks. Oh, my beloved wife. That's putting it mildly. My beloved Chicago White Sox, been a White Sox fan since 1966, ladies and gentlemen. And as everybody knows, listens to the show. Went to Evanston Township High School. Yes, I was a young scholar at Evanston Township High School. And when I was at Evanston Township High School, I was a charter member of the White Sox fan club, which is like the nerdiest, geekiest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And yet I'm kind of proud of it. (laughs) I was three years in that fan club. Sophomore year, junior year, senior year. And here's the weird thing. I also rooted for the Cubs. Not so much anymore. Anyway. Got baseball on my mind and basketball. It's always on my mind. We're going to have a sports conversation with my distinguished guests, as I do with all distinguished guests on the Ben Jarowski Show. I ask them to introduce themselves. So, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. How you doing, Ben? My name is Saul Rodriguez, and uh, I host the At Bat Baseball Podcast, uh, presented by War Media. Yes. He's got a podcast, and his co-host is Miles Porter. Uh, who is a dear friend of the show, has been on many times talking baseball. Something happened with Miles' com- computer and he couldn't make it. I just want to point out, I'm the baby boomer. These guys aren't even millennials. They're Zs. <laughs> I'm the one who should be having computer problems. <laughs> anyway, uh, Saw, uh, welcome to the show. And Miles, I know we'll be back uh, in a little bit. Just tell folks a little bit about your uh, podcast. Uh, one more time, the name of it, where they can find it, and what uh, you, Miles, will be doing on this podcast. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, it's the uh, Ad Bad Baseball Podcast. It's uh, by War Media, a media company that was started right here in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago. Uh, you can find it on all platforms, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can find your podcast. Uh, but we talk about uh, baseball in general, uh, Chicago baseball, focus on Chicago baseball, of course, and then also go around the league and talk about you know big problems or just big controversies around the league and stuff like that. 
And uh, so talk a little bit about yourself, uh, your knowledge of baseball, your love of baseball. Have you been a lifelong Chicago baseball fan? Oh, yeah. 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 So I'm, a, I'm currently a college student. I go to Roosevelt University. But yeah, I've been loving baseball my whole entire life. Like it's it started, I think, maybe oh three. My parents were watching the NLCS. Um, and I remember just watching that Sammy Sosa and then little by little uh, started watching more and more Cubs games. And the rest is history. I'm like, I eat, sleep, drink baseball, everything. you can do. So you recall how the 03 uh, National League Championship Series ended? Yeah. I assume. Even though oh, you were what? I, five yeah, at the oh, time? I was like, I was in, I was in second grade, third grade. Yeah. But I, I don't remember like the outcome at the time. Obviously, I'm I'm happy I don't just because of how. Uh, devastated people were at the, you know what actually happened um luckily i don't remember but obviously not now knowing what happened i mean that's that, that was you know must have been really tough for everyone then all right well let's talk about that for a moment before we go any further uh the, the 03 was the one dusty baker was the manager of the cubs uh they uh were in the playoffs they took a three game to one lead i believe it was three games to one uh against the florida marlins i despise that team well i really can't stand the state that much either but uh the florida marlins they were a um expansion team saw i mean my the cubs have been around since like the, the early parts of the 20th century uh, and and here's this expansion team uh come in and uh they won game five to cut the lead to three to two, come back to Chicago, places packed, Cubs one game away from going to the World Series. Foul ball is hit, drifting toward the stands. Moises Alou, the Cubs left fielder, is running toward the stands. He looks like he's going to catch it, and Steve Bartman, of Cub fan, reaches for the ball, just focused, fixated on the ball, <laughs> and catches it. I think he caught it, actually. Whatever. He kept Moises Lou from catching it. Moises Lou throws a hissy fit. It gets into the minds of the Cubs. They never recovered. They blow the lead. They lose the next game. They lose the series. Moaning, groaning, etc. I have always stipulated, i get your response to this, that a professional baseball team should be bigger. Bigger than one botch play. It's like Michael Jordan missing a free throw and then go, oh, I quit. I I'm done. I I'm through. I missed the free throw. I'm afraid to shoot. My knees are knocking. I, I, I have never blamed Steve Bartman, ever, 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 ever. That baseball team choked. And something got in their head, Saul, that I find inexcusable professional athletes. I'm not quite sure what it was like. What? Like uh, they suddenly started thinking about how there was about a hundred years of failure here at Wrigley field before they'd been in the last world series. And they just, it got too much for them. That's my analysis of it. Uh, what's your view of the Bartman game? No. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I've always thought about that too. It's like a major league baseball team. Uh, should not let that type of stuff bother them. Um, and also, I mean, that, and, and as we know now, the Marlins won the World Series, so they were a hell of a team, right? And it's, they, you know, they, uh, I know after that, Alex Gonzalez, a shortstop for the Cubs, made a made an error. So it was more than one problem because I know everyone always says, oh, the Bartman thing, the Bartman thing, but really it was more than just that. Uh, the Cubs pitching just couldn't handle the Marlins after that and just a lot of things. I mean, 
Also, uh, it, it would, you know, looking back at highlights now, just seeing uh, that game seven, you know, Kerry Wood hitting a home run and the crowd going crazy, but the Cubs not being able to close it out. Yeah, you would think that t- that type of Cubs team would, you know, wouldn't let that stuff affect them. But, ah, man, you know, what are we going to do now? Luckily, you know, 2016, that's all, you know, it would be different now. I think different conversation for sure. Well, I'll throw this question at you. See how you handle this one. Uh, just by chance, uh, I, I was at Miles' house just the other night watching a basketball game with Miles' dad, another friend of ours. Uh, and we got into, I can't believe this, it was, we got into a discussion about the manager of uh, the Cubs at the time, and that would be Dusty Baker. Uh, so Dusty Baker was the manager. And I've heard Dusty Baker say this, that he, if, he kind of blames himself to a bit a degree because he didn't have a meeting and call the team together uh, at the pitcher's mound to say, hey, come on, let's just calm down, forget about it. Uh, I guess he assumed that they were professionals and they weren't going to fall apart. Uh, and then somebody, you know, I've heard this, uh, one of the guys at the where I was at said, well, you know, that's Dusty Baker. He can't win the big games. I always thought that was unfair too, you know, to blame Dusty Baker. He can't win the, like, the manager. Uh, I don't know what role the manager has at a moment like that. What's your take on Dusty Baker uh, as a manager? You've had a lot of years to follow him. Uh, do you blame him for the Cubs' fall? Do you think that's uh, fair to say that Dusty Baker uh, cannot, quote-unquote, win the big games? No, I definitely not to blame him. No, I think he's he's had that opportunity many times. Obviously, he's gone to the he just went to the World Series, obviously, with the Astros just recently. But uh, I don't necessarily – I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the players. You can only blame the manager so much, you know? And I think with a guy like Dusty Baker as well, I mean, I think he's a great manager, you know, and I, I think he puts teams together well, but it just, the luck hasn't been there for him. I think I, I yeah, I wouldn't go as far as, you know, blaming him all the time for that. But um, I, I still think I, I'm optimistic, at least if he stays with the Astros, because they're still a great team um, still pulling from, I still think he's going to win a world series before it's all said and done. So wait, time out. You were pulling for the Astros last year. Oh, no, no, I wasn't pulling that, but I'm saying before, whether it's with the Astros or not, yeah, I want Dusty to win a World Series. But uh, but I will say this, that the definitely the, my, my, for my opinion, my, my, you know, dislike for the Astros has de- decreased ever since, you know, what happened just because a lot of uh, comments have come out and said, you know, more teams were cheating. It wasn't just the Astros. Um, like, for example, the Yankees, like, were using cameras or something like the other day, it just broke out. But I, I, I think also... I didn't like uh, Carlos Correa at the time, but now I, I like him a little more. It's it's a whole thing, but I don't have that much dislike for the Astros as much as I used to. I can't stand the Astros. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Beat my White Sox. Uh, and uh, it, I, the cheating is almost like the least of it. You know what I mean? I, it's it's, it's, uh, it's kind of weird that way. It's just the way they beat the way, and they were so arrogant about it. And, um it was very cruel. All right, let's talk about the. We'll talk about the White Sox and the Cubs. Uh, this season is very. Uh, it's still young, but the White Sox are really struggling. And I think there was a lot of uh, anticipation uh, on the part of White Sox fans that after last year, uh, this would be the year that they would uh, just take control and assert themselves from the start to the finish, and not just, you know, win the division, but actually ride the momentum uh, into the playoffs. And man. Have they gotten off to a lousy start or a stumbling start? April Cruel for Sox is the headline. Royals uh, break tie the 10th on pass ball. That was a really tough game yesterday uh, that they lost. What's your, uh, uh, 
your early uh, verdict on uh, the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, I mean it's it's been really tough with them with when it comes to injuries, um, but it has a, it has a lot more to do with other things. Like you can't just blame it on injuries. I think at first I was looking at it and I was like, Oh, yeah, they were healthy, but you know what? They're not hitting well. Uh, and in general, overall with the pitchers they have, they still have talent. You know, they still have guys in the rotation like Cease and Kopech. Um, guys, they're pitching well, but as a team, they're not pitching well. Um, and also they're just committing a lot of errors. Um, Tim Anderson, uh, Tim Anderson's a great hitter. Uh, but the thing is he doesn't get on base that much. And as the white Sox as a whole, are one of the bottom teams in the league of getting on base, which I think is, you know, huge nowadays. And uh, it, yeah, it's, it's just a, a compilation of a bunch of things, but I'm, I'm still optimistic that, that they'll be able to pick, you know, pick it up uh, just because they have too many pieces not to, I think one, once uh, Luis Robert gets going, I know he's coming back today um, from injury. Once he gets going, I mean that he could, he's literally one of the best players in baseball. So. Do you think Tim should be moved out of the uh, leadoff spot? Um, I think uh, when Luis Roberts healthy, I think he probably is the best leadoff hitter on that team, uh, just because he does more of, uh, he gets on base more in general, I think is the easiest way to put it. But he, it, it just like how Mike Trout is a better leadoff hitter for the angels when he's healthy. Uh, that's, that's the way I see it for the, for the white Sox with Luis Roberts. So yeah, I, I would put Luis Roberts is probably the best leadoff hitter for the white Sox. Yeah. It's, uh, I've been thinking that for a while. I'll move uh, Tim Anderson down uh, in the lineup. Uh, and uh, before we move to the Cubs, Tony La Russa. Uh, we talked a lot last year about Tony La Russa, whether he was the, the right guy for the White Sox. Uh, I was a pro La Russa for most of uh, last year. I uh, defended him <laughs> in the face of withering criticism for many of my uh, guests uh, and friends. Uh, were you, are you a Tony Larissa supporter? Or you think he's too old? <laughs> uh, I think just, you know, being like, oh, he's too old is, is, is a little too harsh. I think when you really look at it, I think he's a respectable manager, but the only thing is there is some questions like you can question, uh, the way he's put together, like a white Sox lineup this year. Um, and just some of the decisions he's made, but yeah, I don't know. I think when I talk to some buddies that are White Sox fans, I'm always like thinking, uh, I was like, man, should I tell them what, you know, my true opinion of what I think when, or when I think the White Sox are going to win? Because I think, honestly, I don't think it's going to be with Tony La Russa. I, I just, I just don't, I don't think it's going to be with Tony La Russa. Like the White Sox, I think are going to win a World Series this decade. They have a good chance of making it to the World Series multiple times, but I don't think it's going to be Tony La Russa. But it, I, but yeah, I think I think people have been a little a little too harsh on Larusa. I think the White Sox may have been struggling in a lot of ways, even with or even without Larusa. So yeah, I'm not gonna you know. Wait, so how do you think it's gonna happen? Do you think Larusa will retire? Do you think he'll get fired? I think the White Sox will let him go this year. I think if this I think if this year doesn't go the way, because truly, if the White Sox are healthy this year, if they can get healthy, they they should be a World Series favorite. They can easily win the World Series. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I, you know, I would talked about it with miles in the podcast too, is, uh, the white Sox, they have a lot of players under control, so they have, they have time. Um, uh, but I think even as a white Sox fan, not, not even winning a series last year, you get a little restless, um, you know, cause things happen and these injuries happen, more injuries could continue to happen. I mean, Eloy Jimenez just keeps getting injured. Uh, that, you know, obviously knock on wood, but you, you know, you really hope that's not his career, right. That it continues to happen. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm still optimistic on them though this year. 
All right. Well, let's move over to the Cubs. Uh, I think your heart is more with the Cubs than it is with the White Sox. I think uh, just from my brief conversations with you, uh, you're doing your best uh, to uh, show interest in the White Sox. Your heart, you you really follow the Cubs closely. Uh, I, on the other hand, am going in the complete opposite direction. Uh, I, I'm just so frustrated with the Cubs, and largely to because of their ownership. But I'll put that aside. Uh, the Cubs are off to a stumbling start to a certain degree. Uh, less was expected of them than the White Sox. So, uh, you know, when the when you see what the Cubs, what are they right now? I think they're 8-11. and 11, The Sox are 7-11, uh, which is roughly the same record. It's uh, more acceptable, I would say, for the Cubs because the expectations weren't as high with them. Uh, is that how you view it as a Cub fan? Yeah, I think during the offseason when they made some additions, you know, like Stroman and now Suzuki, as we've seen how good he is. Uh, I think Cubs fans try to talk themselves into, oh, maybe they can win, you know, 77, 78, 79 games. But the more the season goes on, uh, you really see how, you know, not well put together they are. Um, it's, it's just the way it is. But uh, I've, you know, in other conversations with Cubs fans, and I know it's just like, you, it shouldn't be about wins and losses this year for them. It's about developing the guys they have and um, seeing how Suzuki plays the whole season. Obviously, right now he's killing it, but they have a lot of young guys uh, seeing how more Ian, how Ian Happ does. He's doing well right now. So yeah, it's, I think it's more of a, a development year, but they're, they're, they're going to come back sooner than people think. I, I the, the way I see it, because with the addition of Stroman uh, I, and even, even Suzuki uh, it was I, the Cubs, I think kind of said, Hey, we're not, this is not going to be a five-year rebuild. So you think that, let's see that the first rebuild, well, it seems like my whole life as a Cub fan has just been a rebuild. Uh, but the first rebuild is is the Theo Epstein one. Uh, and that took, I want to say, four miserable seasons in that before 2015 where they sort of broke out uh, and, and went into the playoffs. And then, of course, 2016, uh, they won the World Series and, and everything just steadily falling apart ever since so what gives you confidence that uh this revival will happen faster than it did uh with the theo epstein uh, turnaround i think the the trades they did there they made uh last year with chris bryant rizzo i think it it kind of accelerated the process now when when Jed Hoyer was saying that I'm not going to lie. I was like, you know, he's probably just saying this, but looking at the guys that they traded for uh, also Javi Baez, those deals, those guys are looking really good in the minors. I mean, they, they, they got Pete Crow Armstrong in the, in the minors right now. That's a guy they traded for Javi Baez or they got in return for Javi Baez. And he's looking really good. Brennan Davis, he should be coming up this season. You know, if all goes well, he should be a guy that's, you know, hitting third or fourth for the Cubs in the future. Uh, there's a lot of pieces in the minor leagues that uh, Cubs fans should be very optimistic about. Uh, but we all know at the end of the day, prospects are prospects or lottery tickets. You don't know what's going to happen, but compared to, you know, 2011, 2012, those days, I don't think the Cubs had this many pieces that people were like, Oh, okay. This, you know, Chris Bryant was there, you know, uh, you know, Javi Baez, you know, those type of guys were being, you know, excited, exciting to talk about, but, I think this year there's a lot of, you know, I think low-key players um, that are going to surprise a lot of people, especially when they come up. Uh, so uh, do you think that the Cubs should uh, lower ticket prices uh, be- knowing that they're putting out an inferior team? 
They traded uh, three outstanding players last year. You mentioned Bryant, uh, Javi Baez, and uh, Anthony Rizzo uh, for minor league players who are put in the minor leagues. They're developing. So the, the idea is that a couple of years down the road, they'll be producing. In the meantime, you're stuck with a mediocre product. Do you believe the Cubs should say, okay, we're reducing prices? Uh, are, we're going to lose 20% more games this year than we lost last year, so we're reducing prices by 20%. Do you think the Cubs should do that? Uh, it would be... It would be something. I mean, it would be nice for the fans, but I think I think probably the way they see it is probably like, or the way or the reasoning they'll say, you know, for keeping it, they'll be, they'll say, oh, well, you know, you're spending the money. We're gonna, you know, that money you're gonna see it on the field eventually. But yeah, for the fan, from a fan perspective, of course, it's it's uh, it would be better for the fans. And I think, I mean, they just released, they just did something for college students that just came out today, and it was like last minute. You know, they have an opportunity of last minute tickets that for a cheaper price. So they're kind of they're doing a little more to like you know be like oh here here's a little bit cheaper tickets or here's that some pack some type of stuff you know but yeah yeah from a fan perspective I do believe sure it's like they should lower the tickets because it's not a you know it's not looking so great yeah uh, all right before we uh, uh, abandon this uh, topic and I uh, pick your brain on my beloved Bulls uh, give me a, a prediction for each team wins that the Sox will have. We're only like two weeks or so into the season and wins that the Cubs will have. You got your crystal ball. Go ahead. I'm writing it down. All right. Uh, for the White Sox, I'm going to say 92. And for the Cubs, I'm going to say 74. 74 wins. That means yeah. they will have a losing record, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've been rooting for the Cubs since 1966. I haven't been rooting for them that much in the last few years because I'm like disappointed with their ownership. But it just seems like, you know what? I'm going to say this to you, Saw. This is going to sound really weird. 2016 didn't do anything for me. And this is weird if I could use you almost like as a therapist. It's like my whole life, I'm a Cub fan, rooting for the Cubs. I think if I had been, like the Cubs had won in 69. It would have had a bigger impact to me if the Cubs had won in 83. Uh, no, 84, excuse me. It would have had a bigger impact on me. Uh, 89, even 2003. Something happened with me with 2003 when they lost that series to the Marlins uh, and the way they lost it. They just kind of like, it made me jaded about the Cubs. And part of it was the Cubs fans. Cubs fans change have changed over the years. And see, they were so angry at Bartman. And they were so angry at the like I wasn't there for the Bartman game. I was watching on the TV, but I went to another game in that series. And there was just an edge of anger in the air with the Cub fans. And I think Cub fans have kind of turned me against the Cubs. You know, it's just something about them. They're it's almost like they like they're entitled to winning games because they've been waiting so long. I'm like, that doesn't make you entitled. It is attitude. I took my little daughter to that game in 2003. She's a little older than you, and me. The guys are cursing, you know, like fuck the Cubs. I'm like, hey guys, just look at, you know, a ten year old here, you know. So I I I I feel as like there's just an attitude with the cup fans that I just, I have to admit it's, it's, 
it kind of sours me on the Cubs. Am I being unfair to Cub fans? Uh, honestly, no, I don't think so. I mean, look, the thing is, I think after 2016, they yeah, you're right. That's I think it's probably the best word they got a little bit entitled in thinking, you know, oh, they should be winning. They should be, you know, every year winning the World Series. And the thing is, the media played it up. Right. It's like I watch highlights like uh, during the pandemic. I watched, you know, they were giving the World Series games over and over again. Right. And 20, the 2016 World Series, they kept saying this is a team that should compete for World Series every year. So that didn't help the situation. Right. Because then the fans are like, you know, casual fans are like, oh, they should be there. You know, what, what is going on then? And and I think 2017, even then they went to the NLCS and you're thinking, oh, look, they made it to NLCS. They could, you know, be there next year. And. Yeah, we all know what happened in 2018. So it's yeah, they're they're definitely and the thing is online too with Twitter and stuff like that. You you definitely see that also. It's like oh, the people being mad now about uh, losing games in April of 2022. It's like it doesn't make any sense to me because if if you know if you really know what's going on and you're you know you're paying attention and, and and you know the type of you know team that we have out there, realistically you shouldn't be that mad about a loss in April of 2022. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's uh, close it down with some Bulls talk. My beloved Chicago Bulls uh, ended their season or had their season ended for them. Uh, it was a Wednesday night uh, in Milwaukee, got trounced. It was the third uh, loss in a row to the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending champs. Uh, it was the third trouncing loss in a row. It's really hard to have watched uh, any of those <laughs> those uh, one-sided, lopsided uh, losses and come away excited about the Bulls. Uh, the bar is so low, though, I think, for Bulls fans uh, that we look up uh, any opportunity we can. And uh, so I will ask you the question that I've been asking all my uh, Bulls uh, fan friends, and I've been having this conversation a lot. Uh, should the Bulls, in your humble opinion, sign Zach Levine to the max contract. He's going to be demanding big money. Uh, and Zach Levine clearly was hobbled. Uh, he had some knee problems. It was obvious the last month of the season. Didn't even play the last game of the playoffs because he uh, was in COVID protocol. So in your opinion, if you were the Bulls general manager, would you give Zach Levine the max contract that he's going to demand? Now, I've been wrestling with this for the past couple of days already, just thinking in my, I think it's probably one of the main things I've been thinking about just because I'm like, should I well, like, what, or what's like, what should I really be thinking about this situation? Because it's, it's such a complicated, you know, scenario because Zach Levine is one of the best players in the NBA. One of the best scorers, I should say, maybe probably the better way to put it. I, when you look at the free agent class, I think you would say yes. I think it's probably the best decision is to sign him. Now, I have seen a lot of talk about signing and trading him, which I, again, I would not be mad about depending on what the the package is, but yeah, that, that might be, it might be the best idea to sign him. And it's because during the series, I'm I'm not going to lie during the series, seeing him play. And yes, I, the, about the knee thing I, I saw after that, but I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, why is he not being as explosive as he was? This and that. But yeah, the knee, the knee thing does bother me though. I know they asked uh, AK today, uh, about that. And he said he, he, that's, that's not going to play into the contract talks, um, which I don't know if I believe that because that's a big deal, (laughs) but you know, we'll see. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think ultimately push comes to shove. Probably the best decision is to sign him. 
I, I agree with you. By the way, that is uh, that's classic uh, sports management talk. When they say it's not going to come in, are you kidding me? Of course, it's coming into it. You're being asked to commit uh, tens of millions of dollars to a basketball player who's what 26, I think, uh, who's had already one major knee surgery, uh, and of course. You've got your doctors looking at the pictures. I mean, of course it does, but they say it doesn't. They say stuff, Saul, that you know is not true. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so, of course, it's going to come in. To, and, um, but I'm with you. I, uh, uh, I, I would say sign them. I think that uh, to be on the optimistic front. And, you know, then, I mean, I, the, the counter argument, I watched my Bulls do this. They committed a law max money to Derrick Rose. And then the next year his knee blew up uh, and the Bulls team never recovered from that because once you've committed max money to one player, uh, you don't have the leeway to sign other players. And if that max money guy is injured, then you're really uh, behind eight ball. And so you have to be relatively sure that he will be healthy. There's no guarantees a hundred percent, but, uh, I would say uh, Zach Levine has proved that uh, uh, he's a force and put him out there with DeMar DeRozan, and they're both healthy. I do believe I have high hopes for the Bulls. All right, one more time before we let you go, Saul. Tell folks the name of your podcast uh, and uh, how they can follow it. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, so it's the At-Bat Baseball Podcast hosted by me and Miles Porter. My name is Saul Rodriguez. You can find it on Instagram at At-Bat Podcast. And it's available on all podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Google, all that. Excellent, Saul. I appreciate you taking time to come on and talk to us, all right? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, guys. All right. That's Saul Rodriguez. I'm Ben Drosky. Take care, everybody. 